again, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Yes Men. I, as always, am Lou DiPietro to my left. Once again on my left after last week's video podcast where he was on my right, it's Doug Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Back where I belong. Back where I belong. We're back here for another wonderful week of Yes Men podcasting after our... uh, our first foray into the video world on Friday at the Barclays Center, which uh, hopefully you all watched and enjoyed on the network. Yeah, the way we do it is uh, the iTunes podcast we have is strictly an audio podcast, so we didn't put the video audio, if that makes any sense, on iTunes. So if you didn't hear it, um, that's probably because maybe you don't follow us on Twitter. We linked to uh, the video, but we hope you saw it. We did uh, a video podcast from uh, the Barclays Center before uh, Nets Heat, and the Nets ended up winning. Um Let me just quickly say, uh, if you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, please do so. It's really important um, for the popularity of our show and for the success of our show. Um, And what you can do is just subscribe, and and then automatically, if you have an iPhone, I'm pretty sure it works for Androids and Samsungs and all those. I don't see why it would be any different. Um, You just download the podcast app. It downloads automatically your phone every time we do a new episode, and you can listen to it in the car or when you're working out or when you're on the train, anything. And uh, then rate and review. If you like our show, give us some stars. Uh, Maybe leave us a pointer or, you know, say, hey, love the S-Men. It's become a huge part of our day. So sorry for for that little uh, preamble, but um, it's important for our show. So if you're a listener, please help us out. Yeah, you could also listen to it if you're in a nice hot bubble bath or yeah, I some other get, kind of movie I didn't mean to get style too specific, relaxation. Too specific with the exactly where you have to be, but where you listen to this podcast is totally your business. So please don't tell us where you listen to it. Well, I'm just picturing like a movie scene, like you know, nice bubble bath, yes men on in the background, candles. You never know. Yeah, but you you're know. getting a little, a little, a little, se- a little sexual here. A little, a little sexual. It's the music, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, every time, man. Every time. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the Nets. Uh, it's been a topsy turvy season thus far. They've had some great moments and one really bad loss in Orlando. They also have shown brilliance they crushed the jazz team which i don't know i was at barclays mm-hmm. center last night and it was hard to tell how the jazz were going to score 80 points i mean they're that bad but uh they had a big win against the heat we talked about how important that matchup was before the game and they ended up uh, really stepping up to the plate using that home court advantage and, and playing a really good game and solidifying themselves as one of the best teams in the east i think and, and it's too early to say they're not or they are but it was a big win. Yeah, you know, last year, it's kind of funny because last year it was one of the first few games of the season that they lost to the Timberwolves at home after blowing a 22-point lead. And everybody was like, oh, man, they lost to the Timberwolves. What the heck? This team stinks. And all that other negative Nancy stuff kind of kind of went in. That Magic game might be the Timberwolves game this year. I mean, it's going to be that loss that you look back on and go, man, how did they lose to the Magic on the road? Yeah, but how did they lose to the Magic a couple days after beating the Heat? But that's pretty much what that game might end up being come 78 games from now when the season concludes in Cleveland. I don't know what it is about the NBA. It's something that I've, I don't really like about the sport. But even though it's 82 games, baseball is 162. The NHL is also 82. I mean, don't even include the NFL in this conversation because it's totally different. But doesn't the basketball season end up feeling like it's so much longer than everything else because – we give teams so much slack. Oh, it's early. Maybe they weren't motivated. It's an early game against a bad team. They didn't get up for this game. And it just it bothers me because it's not like it's in a 200-game season. Every game really is important. And when you get to the end of the year, 
you're going to want to have wins in your win column instead of losses in your loss column, and, and that's important. Hashtag every game counts. Yeah, I mean, it, but it really does. And and I like how at the end of seasons we, we talk about these games like they're, you know, the be-all, end-all. But in reality, these <clears throat> games in the beginning, they're going to want that win against Orlando, and every game does matter. You know, no team has ever gone 82-0, and and none has ever gone 0-82, and no one has ever gone any permutation of those two records based on the number of games in an NBA season. So every year there's bound to be one game on every team schedule, if not more, that you look back at and go, man, how did they lose that? And then there's guaranteed to be one game and maybe more on every team's schedule that you look back and go, man, how did they win that? And, so, I mean, you know, take yeah. it for what it's worth. And the other New York team is really struggling. The Knicks, they're 1-3. and three. And today the news is that they've lost Tyson Chandler to a knee injury, uh, <clears throat> displaced fracture of his kneecap. Uh, four to six weeks uh, for him to recover. Without Tyson Chandler and J.R. Smith... That team is a train wreck this, waiting to happen. Yeah, this team is nothing more than an average Cleveland team with just LeBron James. Uh, that's the best way to describe it. Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony can't do all of this by himself. And no, will be a Laker next year if this continues. I'm just going to go right on record and say it. Nobody is supporting him. Uh, it, it, it's hard for the guy because it's hard not to double-team him. Who else is going to shoot? When you have Brigionian, who's basically offensively mute and then ray felton who can't make a shot who else are you going to guard because besides carmelo without jr smith they don't have any other weapons and without tyson chandler they don't have a center yeah you laugh at you know you say oh this guy can't shoot prigioni literally can't shoot he doesn't have a jump shot he's a pass first point guard and in all you know in all full disclosure i guess i'll say i i have been and grown up and was bred a knicks fan because, yeah, so was I. you know, I grew up in New York City area, and the Knicks were the team. And just the the way things are going over there right now, and now it's, you know, James Dolan has banned the dancers from dancing at halftime because it's a distraction. It's like it's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Is it really the dancers? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. That team is, that team is, looks like it's headed for disaster. Hopefully they could right the ship, but... Tyson Chandler being out, like you said, now for, you know, till Christmas, if not later, that's that's going to be a huge blow, even with Bargnani and Stoudemire and some other talented bigs that they have on their but roster. But what's so funny is that you say that, talented bigs, but are there two bigger question marks on the Knicks besides Bargnani and Amari? I mean, watching Amari Stoudemire right now is sad. I mean, it's a little bit like watching somebody just slowly <laughs> retire on the court. Go through the motions? Yeah, he's just really not there. And and yeah. it's not his talent. I mean, if you played basketball with your torso, I'm sure he'd be fine, but his legs just are not there. And Bargnani, I'm, I'm, I've been upset of about the way that uh, the coaching staff has handled Bargnani thus far and the way that the fans have handled him. He misses a few sh- of his first shots in his first game, and the Knicks fans boo him. Well, uh, if you did any research, you might have known the fact that in Toronto he got booed, and that's part of the reason that he kind of got psyched out in Toronto and stopped playing well. So give the guy some support. Coaching staff, fans, let him play. I'm okay with Bargnani playing. But you don't have a real center now because Amari Stoudemire is a four, and a bad four now with his injuries, and Bargnani isn't a five. I mean, I know he's seven feet tall, but he doesn't have a rebounding yeah, presence. Dirk Nowitzki's seven feet tall too, but he's never been confused for a five because he's actually good at being a three or a four. Yeah, so these guys are are <clears throat> specific to a position, and center is not one of them. Uh, right. Well, let's, uh, you know, we're very early in the basketball season, so I guess we'll see how everything shakes out. But we're, we're very late, and by very late I mean over in everything but the shouting in baseball season. 
and uh, the World Series is over. Um, between Doug and I, we were one quarter right in our prediction. The Red Sox won. Didn't go seven games. Um, the, the duck boats were queued through the city streets of Boston last weekend. Oh, spare me. <laughs> um, spare me. I, I'll, get, I'll, I'll say this. It was really, you know, I watched a little bit of it on MLB Network, and, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking as a Yankee fan. But when they stopped on the marathon finish line, put down the trophy and the jersey, and sent God bless America, that was kind of one of those moments that – for for one minute, you put aside the fact that you, you oh, hate yeah. the Red I Sox mean, intrinsically, and that was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Awesome. Don't get me wrong. I Obviously, if you're a human being and, and you have morals, that was fantastic, and, right. and it really was. And, you know, you root for the city of Boston because they've gone through a tragedy. And, <clears> and as a New Yorker, as New Yorkers, we went through a tragedy with 9-11, and, and it takes time to get over that. You bond together as a city. Baseball did that for us, too. Yep. And uh, it was good to see the Red Sox uh, do that for Boston. You know, what is it, eight parades in 11 years between the Pats, Bruins, Celtics, and, and the Red Sox? I mean, yeah, it's, you, it's in, in terms of sports, we can't, we can't look at them anymore as, like, the the underdog mm-hmm. little brother that keeps getting teased and keeps losing, and then finally he wins. It's not like that anymore. Boston wins a lot, so... Here's, here's They're the thing not with the that. little brother anymore. Yeah, here's the, here's the thing with that whole underdog little brother thing. It, it's you know the Red Sox and Red Sox fans always kind of chirped at the Yankees for being the evil empire and buying teams and this and that and yada yada yada. I went to the World Series parade in Philadelphia in 2008. I was at Game Five of the World Series thanks to a great stroke of luck from a friend who had tickets and couldn't go to the second half of the game after it got rained slash snowed out. The parade happened to be a couple days later, so I went back down to Philly. And I've lived in Philly before, and I went to school there, and it's, you know, it's I know the, the passion of the sports town. And I'm an Eagles fan, so I 25% of the time take part in that. And just watching that parade, it was like Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and any other mythical, fantastic, the, the Great Pumpkin, all rolled into one as those floats rolled down Broad Street into to the sports complex. It was like just great chaos. Because the city had been waiting 25 years since the Sixers last won for something, anything, to finally celebrate. And I'm sure when the Patriots won the Super Bowl back in 2000, uh, whatever, 2001, you know, it was like that. And now it's like almost old hat to the point where you wonder if there's a generation of fans that just doesn't appreciate what someone maybe my age can at least appreciate about Boston and that they were the lovable losers, for lack of a better word, for so long, and now it's like Titletown. That's why kind of when we made our World Series predictions, I chose Detroit and L.A., and I've said this, I feel like, in four straight shows. I have this problem when I'm predicting sports, and it's why you don't find me in the sports books in Vegas. Right. I like to vote and, and root for the teams that I am hoping win. So I, it's wishful thinking. You're rooting with your heart. Right. So so I wanted Detroit to be happy, and I wanted to see L.A. win because I haven't seen them win in a long time. And with Boston and St. Louis, it was kind of like, well, I know what this is going to be like. Two great sports mm-hmm. towns, don't get me wrong, but they've won before, and I just kind of want to see something different. So when I was watching Boston celebrate, I, I was saying to myself, well, I really wish, you know, obviously I wish it was, it was happening in De- in Manhattan because that's what I, I wish for the Yankees to win the World Series obviously yeah. every year. Is a it's fan, always fun to hang out on the Canyon of Heroes once a year. The other thing I was thinking, though, is I kind of wish the Cubs would win it one of these years. I want to see them win. I mean, how great would that be? Chicago would go insane. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, Chicago went insane when the White Sox won in 2005, and that was a much less suffering franchise. 
Um, you know, it's it, it's funny. We we have this discussion a lot because you're you're a lot younger than I am, and that. You grew up in an era with just the Yankees, per se. You grew up in the era of Jeter and Bernie Williams and Posada and the core four and all the success. And someone my age, you know, I remember when I was in grade school watching those 88, 89, 90 Yankees teams that were abysmal. And you watch the highlights of, like, Don Mattingly hitting his record-tying eighth, you know, eighth game in a row with a home run, and there's nobody in the seats because they were awful. And so, you know, I'm not saying that people younger than I don't appreciate the success the Yankees have had over the last 20 years. But I feel like in anything, there's a bit more of an appreciation for something if you remember where it was before it got good. You know, like like Nets fans, I'm sure in a few years, if the Nets kind of go on a run here, you know, you'll remember the 12 and 70 season and, and remember suffering through that and say, here we are finally. It's kind of like, hey, we made it, as opposed to just being spoon-fed success from a young age. It's easy for a fan, especially uh, a young fan, to forget, to live through winning, but kind of forget what it's like. So that's kind of what my position is. I'm 22 now, and I do remember the big home runs, the brocious home runs, the home runs off Byung-Yung Kim. I remember those, but I don't really feel like I lived them because I was so young. In 2009, uh, I was able to experience, granted I was at school in North Carolina, so I wasn't able to be here for it, but winning mm-hmm. is something that once it ha- when it happens, it's great, but after a year or two, you forget what it's like and you crave that feeling again. Uh, you just can't get enough of it. And so sometimes you wish for cities that really haven't had it in years. I mean, I'm talking decades, and obviously for the Cubs, it's a century. So you just kind of have to root for those cities to win every once in a while because Mm -hmm. those of us that are spoiled, I feel like, should should take some years off. Yeah, no, I mean, Chicago at least had the Bulls dynasty in the 90s. The Blackhawks have won a couple cups, you know, the White Sox in 05. Cleveland hasn't won anything since the 60s. San Diego, same way. I mean, those cities, that's what you want to say is starved for a championship because they haven't won anything in five decades or more in some cases. So, you know, when if and when the Indians win the World Series or the Chargers win the Super Bowl, I mean, it, it might be bedlam in one of those two cities just from fans finally getting to celebrate we are the best. Yeah, and if you're true if you're true sports fans by the way and and this is going away from baseball now because of what you just said it's it's about, you know, all of the four biggest sports and who wins right. championships and who doesn't. You if you're not a Miami Heat fan should be rooting for LeBron James to go back to Cleveland. And here's why. That team is set up for LeBron to come in and win a championship. And if that did happen, it would end up being one of the bigger spectacles in sports and NBA history because LeBron would come back after making such a big deal about going to Cleveland, and I think he was he, he, he would admit that he did that immaturely and everything like that. That would be winning a championship for a starved city. And I think if he has any compassion and if, he, if he's the kind of guy that says, if I'm going to win somewhere, I want to win at home, that will be amazing. Yes and no. I mean, I, I understand your sentiment there. And I know you've written in the past about how we shouldn't hate LeBron James for all the things he's done. But he basically, for lack of a better word, was a star chaser. He, he willed that team to the finals pretty much himself. I mean, we've discussed that, you know, he had Eric Snow and Booby Gibson, you know, running backcourt for him on the team that, that went to the 07 finals. 
<clears throat> and he willed them there almost by himself. And then he went to Miami to team up with his boys and won two titles. He's been to three finals this year. Everybody thinks it's going to be three and four, respectively. And for him to go back to Cleveland, I mean, they have all the pieces in place, yes. But it's it, it, I think it's going to feel different because there's still the fans, and I'm sure Dan Gilbert, too, will kind of still feel that sort of knife-in-the-back mentality where it's like, you know, you left us, and yeah, you come back as supposedly the conquering hero, the prodigal son returns, but I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, but it, the whole thing feels very, like, WWE to me. It's yeah, like LeBron you, turns heel, goes to Miami, and then all of a sudden everybody welcomes him back. You know? But what like, do you want him to do, Lou? Because all he hears about is these comparisons to <laughs> him and Michael Jordan, so you want him to stay in Cleveland, right? And then maybe he wins one championship without some of the pieces that they have now before they draft Kyrie Irving. Maybe. But if he continued to lose in the playoffs, then all he hears about is, well, he could be as good as Jordan if he won some championships. He got that out of the way. No, I'm sorry. The Jordan thing, Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen his whole run. Michael Jordan had a couple of random, you know, he had Dennis Rodman, Tony Kukoc, Michael Jordan had a lot of garbage on those Bulls teams. There were a lot of players that were 6th, 7th, 8th men role players on that team. Yeah, but Scottie Pippen's better than any player he played with in Cleveland by a long shot. He's one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history when they released that list back in the 90s. But, I mean, that team was the Jordan show. And Scottie Pippen was a very good second banana and would have been probably the best player on a lot of teams. See also what James Harden has become in Houston after being a six-man with the Rockets, playing with Durant and Westbrook. I'm sorry, with the Thunder, playing with Durant and Westbrook. But LeBron, I mean, yes, Dwayne Wade is very good. Chris Bosh is very good. There's a lot of role players on that team. But we talked about it on Friday. There's like eight guys on the Heat bench that could start elsewhere. I mean, Rashard Lewis was an all-star in his career. Ray Allen has been an all-star in his career. Yes, they're getting long in the tooth. Yes, they're better in limited roles now. But these are guys, I mean, this isn't this isn't Randy Brown and Bill Wennington we're talking about here. You know, this is Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis and Joel Anthony who started for them at one point and numerous others. And my opinion about LeBron, I don't want people to take it the wrong way. I, I don't like what he did. I'll never support him uh, as long as he's on the Miami Heat. And I, I really disliked the decision and I really disliked his little pep rally in Miami with the not seven, not 42 thing. I will say, though, this season is is important to me as a LeBron hater and fan at the same time. I, I think that this team, this Miami Heat team, is more challenged than it's been in the last two years. If he does win this year, he'll be doing, he'll be doing it more by himself than yeah. he has in the previous two years in Miami because this isn't the big <clears throat> three anymore. I'm sorry. Dwayne Wade is a shade of what he used to be. Well, what you said earlier about Amari Stoudemire is almost kind of true with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, too. He exactly. just looks like he's starting Chris, to hit the beginning of the end. And Chris Bosh is playing the five, which is, which is a position that he's not built to play he's he's become a kind of a different player he's nothing like he was in toronto right and now you know they're molding into a different team and it's really going to depend on lebron james so you know we'll see what happens it's just you know sorry to get off topic but we were talking about kind of what we'd like to see in sports and that's going to be a polarizing issue uh, the sports world and mm-hmm. media should prepare itself if it if it's going to happen now like i said the whole thing if he goes back to cleveland it just feels very wwe to me with lebron going away going to be this you know great player and going elsewhere stabbing his hometown fans in the back pulling a hulk hogan in 1996 yeah i have no idea what and, you're talking about yeah i know you have no idea what i'm talking about but there's this, there's some pop culture reference here. Look it up. Look up the NWO. Okay, look it up. 1996, Bash at the Beach. Hulk Hogan joins the NWO. He's the third man. It's it's very much LeBron Hulk Hogan correlation in terms of life. So actually, 
Lou, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, and nor do I care about what you're talking about. Shockingly, again. So here, for the listeners that are out there, we might as well go into this. All right. Yeah, we've had this discussion. We might as well do it on the air. Lou and I uh, have been talking about what what is a very big difference between us as people, which is that he is a wrestling fan. And I have been, and not so much now, but I, I used to be a, a NASCAR fanatic. And um, I'm in the minority. I'm from Connecticut, from the New York area. Uh, there is not a lot of NASCAR around here. I did not know. This is all honesty. I raised my hand. I did not know that grown men watched wrestling until I started working here. And I started talking to you. I didn't know that they did. I've been watching it since I was five. I, I caught right, Hulkamania right, right. and right. haven't stopped. Yeah, okay. but And they paid the bills for a few years, so that didn't hurt. So I don't know if there are people out there that are wrestling fans, and I don't know if there are people out there that are NASCAR fans. Well, there probably are because it's the biggest sport in America. But yeah, that's true. Will we are arguing and have been arguing what is more of a sport. Right? That, that's our argument. Right. And here's, here's my, my take on this. I, and, again, full disclosure, my parents live in the, the middle of the mecca of, of NASCAR. Okay? I've lived and worked there. I've seen what that looks like on race day. I've been to multiple NASCAR races, some by choice, some by, you know, volunteers to work concession stands one day and make a lot of money. I get it. Okay? I understand the whole thing. The thing I, I, I don't get is how people consider it a sport, okay? I understand there's a huge mental aspect to it. Having to keep your composure and keep your, your brain working for three, four hours, weaving in and out of traffic at points at 180 miles an hour as you go around a super speedway, knowing that one wrong turn, one bump, one misstep can, in some cases, as we've seen, cost you your life. I understand that. But I also understand there's a physical aspect of it that you're driving, you're under, you know, there's heat, there's this, there's that. Even, you know, NASCAR's signature race in Daytona is in February. It's still hot down there, and it's even hotter in July when they're down there. So I understand there's a physical kind of conditioning thing to it, but it's 43 grown men driving in a left-hand circle for three hours. I mean, let's be fair. I understand what you say about wrestling that it's, it's – And women. And women, yes, Danica Patrick and others behind her. Um so I understand what you say about wrestling, how it's kind of scripted and it's it's. I haven't said that yet on the air, by the way. Well, no. But I you, haven't made my spiel. No. Okay. Have, not spoiling what you've said about wrestling, I understand <laughs> how you feel about it. But I, I just, I mean, to me, golf is more of a sport than NASCAR. And golf is, you know, darts is, is, is takes just as much concentration and athletics. Billiards. Okay, here's what I would say. To say NASCAR is not a sport, I get it. I've heard that before. But what you're arguing for is nothing more of a, than a play. It's it's a scripted plan of events. It's There's production meetings. There's guys tackling other guys because it's what they have to do, because it's what they've been planning on doing. I get that they're in shape, but so are some of the people in offices working in cubicles every day. I get that they're very strong. But they don't use it as part of their job. It's just a matter of what they have to do. And so NASCAR drivers work out every day so that they can make it 400 laps at Daytona. Their bodies can withstand it. Not to mention the fact that they have to be able to drive 180 miles an hour weaving in between other cars that are going 180 miles an hour. So 
I just don't understand if it's if if we're talking about one sport that every day before the race nobody has any idea who's going to win, and another sport that well that, wait, wait, they, they know who's going to win. The, un- the unless you read match. the internet or work there, nobody has any idea who's going to win at WrestleMania either. So yeah, but I mean, the, the wrestlers themselves know. Well, yeah, that's just, not what I'm talking. Just I'm like any saying, actor knows, you know how. Yeah, but actor, we're talking about you're talking about acting in a movie versus I'm talking about like a wait, sport. isn't NASCAR the sport where Jimmy Johnson's won like 347 consecutive whatever the Winston Cup is called now? No, <laughs> that's not true. He's won like four he's out of won the last six five. in his career. Yeah, and he, and the and great he, and he's winning again this and year. And the great drivers and the great and the great drivers win a lot. <laughs> and he's one of the, probably the top five greatest of all time. John Cena wins a lot. But I don't understand. You have, still haven't answered my question. There's a difference between planned and unplanned, and and, and 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 you can't call something that's planned, that has production meetings, that has a predetermined outcome, a sport. I won't call it a straight up because sport. there's no real it's, competition. It is sports entertainment. MMA is a sport. Okay. It's, yes. It, yes. MMA is a sport. Boxing is somewhere in the middle because you're not going to fully convince me that there's not been a boxing match somewhere that's been kind of – Rigged. N- not necessarily rigged, but, you know, influenced. Let's put it that way. And people are always shocked. Like, <clears throat> oh, my God. Yeah. That wasn't a draw. And yet I can't it, believe that. And everybody still buys – pays $70 to buy Floyd Mayweather fights when it's going to be the most boring 45 minutes of your week. But – Wrestling is sports enter- it's sports entertainment. They don't need- WWE isn't even world wrestling entertainment anymore. It's WWE. Like they're just WWE. It's a brand now, almost like, you know, Kleenex. Um, there is an athletic aspect to it because like you said with the NASCAR guys, those guys hit the gym and and I might have a, a skewed insider slant on this because I have worked there, okay? So I've seen this firsthand. I, these guys are in the gym a lot. Okay, because with cooperation or not, it's not exactly easy to body slam a 500-pound, 7-foot man, okay? The, the, even with his cooperation, it's not like me body slamming you versus me body slamming the big show, okay? There, there's a bit of a difference there, number one. Number two, I mean, if you look at wrestling, and I'm doing air quotes, you know, back in the day in the 80s, and you watch Ric Flair, you know, have 60-minute matches with guys. There's or the 1992 Royal Rumble for wrestling fans who know what I'm talking about. There's an athletic aspect in that you have to physically be able to endure 60 minutes of semi-physical at, at worst activity. And if you've ever been inside a wrestling ring or seen a wrestling ring up close, it's not exactly a bouncy castle. Okay, I'm not going to give away all the secrets, but it's not exactly a bouncy castle, and it's kind of like being in a in a in a, in a car crash. So you're every telling night. me you're telling so, me, Lou. So that takes its toll too. Yeah, I understand that, but we sit down, right? And I'm somebody. I, let's say I'm. Uh, you've just met a girl, and and you're on your first date, and you're sitting on the couch, and you've told her I love wrestling, mm-hmm. and you sit her down. She's never watched wrestling before. You don't get secondhand embarrassment watching that. Do I get secondhand embarrassment watching that? Yeah, because no, I'm a fan of it. So, you, so you don't. You does, don't I mean, get... does does for instance, I'm just going to throw out a name. Like, would would your sister get secondhand embarrassment if she told you she watches The Real Housewives of New Jersey? Because that's just as, I think so. As yes. scripted. I think so. Yes. So no, I don't. I that's kind of what I mean. Like, if it's like this is a this is mm-hmm. kind of like a guilty pleasure. No, I mean it's it is a guilty pleasure. If you come over to my house, I don't exactly have posters of John Cena and an Undertaker fathead hanging in my bedroom. Pretty sure that would be nixed right away by the the roommates. But, uh, you know, I I don't – 
exactly advertise, oh, my God, I love wrestling based on my persona. I don't wear John Cena T-shirts to the office, but I also don't mind flipping it. You know, I don't mind flipping it on in front of people who are over the house or something. What channel is it on? It's on USA Network. It's on Sci-Fi. It's on Sci-Fi. Yeah, it's on the NBC Universal properties for Monday Night Raw. SmackDown Friday nights is on Sci-Fi. It's the highest rated show on Sci-Fi and has been since it went there. And USA is one of the highest rated cable networks. And if you actually watch our own programming, you would have seen the Forbes Sports Money piece that we just did a couple weeks ago on the one that just premiered about how valuable WWE actually is versus NASCAR. Even with 150,000 people attending the, what is it, 36 races per year, plus all the peripheral stuff with the truck series and, and the the minor league, what's it called? The minor one? The, the they Bush, changed sponsors a few times. Yeah, nationwide. It was the Bush, nationwide. They change sponsors a lot, so I kind of here's what I okay. But here's what I'll say, Lou. We're running a little uh, a little rough on time here, but uh, I want people if you're if you're listening to this, tweet at Lou and I with what you think is more of a sport, WWE or NASCAR. We just want to hear. We'll talk to you about. We'll talk to you about it. We want to hear mm-hmm. what other people think. I, I have have met some of the the greatest people that I've ever met in sports from that sport. Um, I was uh, I had met Dale Earnhardt. He was a terrific guy. He was great to me when I was a kid. Um, he's a North and, Carolina guy, so I mean, I'm sure he's revered. Yeah, down there. yes, and and I'm sure you're the same way. You grew up watching it. The, yep. th- this, these are sports that are close to us. What mm-hmm. do you guys think? Yeah, there's guys. I mean, John Cena, just for instance, is probably one of the most loved or hated wrestlers currently based on what age bracket you happen to fall into but the guy does more for the make-a-wish foundation and susan g komen with you know he wears he has a pink t-shirt every october for breast cancer awareness and things like that he does more for those kind of endeavors than than most people could even think of and the guy just doesn't stop so again great people in both walks of life we don't think any less or any better of anyone if they dislike one and like the other, dislike both, like both, either way. But what do you think? Let us know. Who's right, if for, for lack of a better word? Me, Doug, neither of us? Are we both stupid? Possibly. It's what we do. But uh, tweet at us, Lou DiPietro, yes, Doug Williams, yes. Let us know what you think. Weigh in on the topic, and maybe next week when I'm not here, Doug will weigh in on uh, on what you guys have to say with his Yeah, Lou's going on vacation next week, which uh... – I don't really know what I'm going to do yet. I'm still kind of processing it. I, there's like I think a psychologist would, would not necessarily wouldn't call this like depression, but I'm going into like kind of like a different state of mind. It's because, like Ren without Stimpy. You just have nobody to pick on. You yeah. don't get that reference either, no, do you? Does any? I wish honestly. Sometimes like I, I there's nothing I can do about the, my age. You know, Lou. Like you, <clears throat> you say these things. And I, I, I just wasn't alive. You know, some, for some time. The fact that I'm sitting here with a with an ice pack on my on my leg because I pulled my hamstring playing softball last night like an old man already makes me feel old. And then Ren and Stimpy references going over your head just can, completely makes me. I'm glad I'm not going to be here next week. I might need to reevaluate my my references. Maybe make this a more friendly show. Yeah, so that I can understand some things every <clears throat> once in a while because I just always feel like a big dummy. Um, well, before we uh, we close up real uh, real quick, we just want to talk about the awards 
that are yet to be picked out for for baseball. Um, they start next week yeah. uh, on Monday. There are some quick uh, quick picks. I think we should do this in a quick fashion. Uh, sure. I'll uh, I'll go AL. I'll na- I'll name the nominees for the AL, and then you pick yours, and I'll pick mine, and you can do that for the NL. Okay. So uh, we'll get, start with manager of the year in the American League. It's John Farrell uh, from the Sox, Bob Melvin, and Terry Francona of the Cleveland Indians. Your thoughts? Uh, John Farrell. Yeah, John Farrell. Okay, great. Uh, how about the American League Rookie of the Year? We got Will Myers from Tampa Bay, Jose Iglesias from Detroit slash Boston, and another uh, Tampa Bay Ray in Chris Archer. Your thoughts? Will Myers. Yeah. I, I think I got to go with him, too, only because as great as Iglesias was, he kind of tailed off a little bit, and Chris Archer, not a rookie of the year. Okay, <laughs> moving on to the American League Cy Young. Max Scherzer, the, tri- the yeah, Tigers. Yeah, you can stop right there. Yeah, the other two guys just happen to be Hisashi Iwakuma and Yu Darvish, but they're fighting for the, the silver medal. And finally, the American League MVP. It's pretty much last year's debate. It's Miggy versus uh, Mike Trout with Chris Davis in there as the wild card slash bronze medalist. Your thoughts? Uh, most valuable player means he's <laughs> valuable to a team. I like to think that they usually make the playoffs. I got to go with Miggy. And you see what happened when Miguel Cabrera was compromised. Right. That's that's all I'm saying. Most Chasing a second second straight triple crown. All right, Lou. So National League Manager of the Year, you have Clint Hurdle, Don Mattingly, Freddie Gonzalez. One of those three managers brought his team to the playoffs for the first time since I was in middle school. He wins. And that would be? Clint Hurdle of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay, Clint Hurdle. NL Rookie of the Year, Fernandez of the Marlins, Puig of the Dodgers, Shelby Miller, who, is he on the Cardinals? Not even sure. (laughs) Did he Uh, pitch in the postseason? Was he there? Did he he get, you know? Who you got? Um, I have a very simple reason for this. I find it hard to coin someone a Rookie of the Year when they come up more than a third of the way into the season. As great as Puig was, I think that disqualifies him because he didn't come up till June. That leaves it between Fernandez and Shelby Miller, and I'll say this. Miller had a great season, but when it came to the postseason, he was the fifth starter who never got to start. Jose Fernandez is in the Cy Young three finalists. Jose Fernandez. Yep, me too. That's who I believe. Um, National League Cy Young, Clayton Kershaw, Adam Wainwright, and... The aforementioned Jose Fernandez. Well, Fernandez has no shot of winning this, I think, simply because he got shut down early. So his numbers his numbers don't match up. And I know that's not always the be-all, end-all. Just ask Felix Fernandez. Uh, Clayton Kershaw had perhaps the most dominant season by a pitcher in years. And Wainwright had a tremendous season and would win this award probably eight years out of ten if they were in the same three group of finalists. But I, 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 don't, I don't see anyone toppling Clayton Kershaw on this one. And lastly... I'm with you, by the way. I think that was pretty obvious. NL MVP, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, the ever-overrated, not Benji, I don't even know his name, Yadier Yadier Molina Molina. from the Cardinals, and Paul Goldschmidt. All right. This is is the hardest one. This is the hardest one, and Andrew McCutcheon is going to win, and here's why. Because when it comes down to the hardest of the awards, for the same reason you said Miguel Cabrera versus Mike Trout, valuable means his team made the playoffs. So that eliminates Goldschmidt, despite the fact that he led the NL in two Triple Crown categories. Great player. Arizona had a down year. Thanks for coming on that one. McCutcheon versus Molina then becomes a debate. And it's like Yadier Molina is the best catcher in baseball overall. Nobody will dispute that with too much fervor outside of being contrarian. McCutcheon, I mean... Look at so many great players in the Cardinals. Beltran had a great season. Alan Craig had a great year. Freeze is still living off the postseason he had a couple years ago. Matt Adams came in and was dominant, 
you know, seamlessly replace Craig. They have so many great pitchers. They have such a great team. The Pirates had good players, but McCutcheon stands head and shoulders above them. I mean, you know, they got Marlon Bird, Morneau for the push, and John Buck, but they won a lot of the year with Starling Marte Hurt and Jose Tabata playing right field and Clint Barmas at shortstop. And and McCutcheon is one of those MVP candidate caliber players every year. This is his year. I don't – just based on sheer numbers, I mean – Yes, Molina is infinitely valuable to that team, but the Cardinals without Molina behind the plate are still a better team than the Pirates without Andrew McCutcheon. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I think McCutcheon is uh, as important to that city and that team as any player in the league. Uh, the reason I say Molina is overrated, by the way, is just because I think he has no choice but to be overrated uh, considering the amount of media attention that great catchers get. And I think it's very well-deserved. Uh, I was a pitcher for my whole life, so I understand how important and how difficult that position is. He's great with the bat and has gotten really a lot better over the last few years. I just don't think if you stack his numbers against some of the better hitters in the league, you can make him an MVP considering the fact that, like you said, the Cardinals are so good, and I think an MVP has to be a guy with dominant offensive if, numbers. If it was most important player, it would be a much closer race. But there's a difference in, in definition between valuable and important. So, I mean, it just – it. McCutcheon and Hurdle, I think, are going are to give the Pirates half of the uh, half of the big four, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right, Lou, one minute we're going to do uh, picks for next week. Lou and I are both still in – the Survivor League. We've officially uh, there's made only the top 16, 16 uh, teams left. Uh, this week, I'll go with my pick. Make it short and simple. I I don't know if I'm going to regret this. I'm going with the New York Giants against uh, the Oakland Raiders at home. I think they're going to win the game. And I don't think the Giants are very good, so it's a good time to get them out of the way against uh, probably the worst team that they'll play again for the rest of the year. Lou, who you got? Uh, well, you know in my one league that has the three strikes, I have to make three picks. So this is a tough week for me. Luckily, I still have Seattle, so that's pretty much a guarantee uh i'm going in our league i'm going with the simple strategy go against the tank wars tennessee titans okay I, i'm worried about that game i didn't choose it just in case something happens you know like chris johnson gets hurt and tennessee implodes then hopefully i'll be safe with picking the giants and well after what nick Foles did to oakland i think you're pretty safe i think i'll be safe yeah so that's it for uh for the survivor picks hopefully we'll be here next week well, well, I won't be here. Yeah, next you week. you won't be here next week, but uh, <clears throat> hopefully we'll both be in the Survivor League. That's what I meant. Yes, hopefully it's going to be me and you in the end, and we'll see whether it's a whether it's a battle between us or whether we decide to split the prize, just like Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious did in the double ring battle royal at Great American Bash '89. There's one last wrestling reference for you, and that is going to do it for this crickets. Yeah, this is going to do it for this horrendously extended, debated version of the Yes Men. I will be back in two weeks. Until then, I am Lou DiPietro. To my left, Doug Williams. He'll be here next week, so you can enjoy him and whoever he may bring along. Until we see you again, remember, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know how we're doing, keep listening, keep the faith, and we'll see you next time. See you next week with Jimmy Johnson, guest host. Mm -hmm.